Our science first emerged in the late 70s with renewed interest in extraterrestrial life. They died out by the early 80s, dismissed as hoaxes. This new resurgence is wholly different. The speed and the quantity in which it has appeared implies the coordination of hundreds of individuals over many countries. There are only a limited number of explanations. Either this is one of the most elaborate hoaxes ever created, or basically, it's for real. Extraterrestrials. What in God's name is going on? Hey everyone, welcome to the boot! That's right, it's the boot! We are recasting classic Hollywood reboots, so Hollywood doesn't have to. I said Hollywood twice. And that's just how it's going tonight. <laughs> Guys, I'm Brian Flynn. And in the cornfield with me is Kenna Trent. Kenna, how are you? I'm great. I am a huge Shyamalan apologist. So oh. I'm very excited apologist. to talk about this. A Shyamalan apologist. I like that. We should make shirts. <laughs> I have a whole like file full of shirt ideas for this podcast that I really... Okay, let's I'll make them. We'll just, we will just wear them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just for us. <laughs> And no one will ever see. Guys, this week, going along our summertime uh, special theme, I mean, what screams summer more than alien invasion movies, mm-hmm. we are doing the two, th- we're not a 19, it's a, it's an ought. Yep. We are doing the 2002 horror sci-fi uh, classic. Would you give us a classic moniker? I would. I would too. So we're talking about the movie Signs, directed by M. Night Shyamalan, starring Mel Gibson, Joaquin Phoenix, Rory Culkin. Abigail Breslin and Cherry Jones. Cherry, Sherry. Cherry. Cherry it is. But before Ken and I pick our five characters to recast, we are going to get into some reboot news. I'll take the lead on this one. Yeah, you will. A full Halloween trailer brings the nightmare back to Haddonfield. There's an exclamation point there. Since we're just talking about the trailer, I'm going to give you a little bit of a synopsis that we've learned about the new Halloween movie. A British documentary crew comes to the States to visit Michael Myers in prison for a retrospective of the maniac's night of terror. But their project becomes way more interesting when Myers escapes custody, retrieves his signature mask and seeks revenge on Laurie, with others naturally being a part of his impressive career body count along the way. In the decades following the fateful Halloween night that forever altered the former babysitter's life, Laurie has armed and prepped herself for Michael's inevitable return to the detriment of her family, including daughter Karen, played by Judy Greer, and granddaughter Allison, played by Andy Matichak. This movie looks dope. He's waited for this night. He's waited for me. I've waited for him. Get inside! What the hell did you do that for? So I can kill him. Okay. But you, this is your favorite movie. Halloween, the OG Halloween. It's your my favorite movie? It's my favorite horror movie. How do you how are you feeling about this? I'm a little underwhelmed by this trailer. Mm, not not as many scaries as you would like. I or more of the story plots that we I think part of I think I'm partially aware of the fact that I'm going to be difficult to please in this area. And I am fully aware that John Carpenter was involved in some of the development and has given a thumbs up to this as a direct sequel to the original, uh, completely disregarding 
anything that came after the original Halloween. So and you said you're in favor of it? I, I'm aware that all of this is good. I just feel like I'm going to have to see it to believe it. Oh, okay. Because the trailer doesn't, it just doesn't convince me. And I'm not quite sure what it is. I think part of it seems like it was a little, like it's a little gimmicky. Um, like they literally have what I'm assuming are the two documentary people walk up to him and present him with his uh, uh, William Face. Shatner mask or mm-hmm. whatever. Are they still doing that? Is that still like how you make a Michael Myers mask? I, d- I don't think so. <laughs> it would be hilarious if they were like, we have to find the same mask. It won't be authentic. Um and I, I just, I think there are a lot of great things coming into this. I mean, you have Jason Blum, who cares a lot about the genre. You have mm-hmm. uh, the right. I know Danny McBride is one of the writers. And he's also directing it, right? Uh, no, no, no. I don't think so. I, I think there's a lot of great things. David Gordon Green is directing. There's a lot of cool stuff happening, but... I don't know. I think I really have to be, I think I'm just going to have to see it in its entirety because I'm going to be honest. I got excited when Rob Zombie made his version of Halloween. I don't think it was a reboot. He made his version of Halloween Mm -hmm. and I'm not a huge Rob Zombie fan, but I was excited to see the story told in a different way. And it was very disappointing because he took the heart out of the movie and made it um, incredibly violent and um, visceral. Yeah. And it was, just not it really just I don't think existed in the same spirit of the original movie and I'm I'm just a little afraid that what we're gonna get is older Laurie Strode as sort of a a caricature of a of a real person sort of learning to like shoot guns and like defend herself in this strange way what I am excited for is Judy Greer who always serves she's so good a delicious performance I and I think all of this is coming from a place of love because I love Halloween and I'm excited to see this movie. But the trailer left me wanting a hook, I think, that is really going to make me show up. Yeah. And we'll probably get a few more looks before the movie comes out in October. But uh, I feel like as of now, I'm sort of approaching it skeptically because I'm like, oh, boy, how are how are we choosing to enter the world that might um just put us at a distance from the actual characters that we want to see. The idea of like a race and continuity is kind of interesting to me because I feel like a lot of people won't do that because they don't want to upset fans. But I think from a creative position, it's probably the best way to go. And I'm like H2O. I actually weirdly recently it was on TV. And mm, to is just that the a, one with Buster Rhymes? No, it's the one with Josh Hartnett. Oh, uh, where they're at the school. They're at the school. Yeah. LL Cool J was in it. She took off her clothes, revealing her satiny, soft femininity. And Lawrence looked at her with lust in his eyes and said, I want to invade every part of your being. I want to tantalize myself with your sweet nectar. Oh, Tanya, better not fall with that shit. I smell that a mile away. Oh, okay. He's the security guard and just like lets Michael just like walk in. Gotcha. Don't point as me as if to say you just confused one black man for another. No, because that's not true. You confused one rapper for another. That's true. (laughs) Um, Let's uh, move on to the next thing on the docket here. Ewan McGregor to star as Danny Torrance in the Shining sequel, Doctor Sleep. 
After spending many years embodying his father's legacy of anger and alcoholism as he was haunted by the inhabitants of the Overlook Hotel, Dr. Sleep finds Danny Torrance finally settling down in a small town where he quits drinking. Getting a job at a nursing home, Danny uses his abilities to ease the passing of terminally ill all while filming all while forming a telepathic bond with Abra Stone, a young girl whose shining is growing more and more powerful. It's then that Danny and Abra become aware of a group of quasi-immortal people called the True Knot, who travel across America living off the steam that children will, quote-unquote, steam that children with the shining produce as they are slowly tortured to death. Ugh. Oof. With Abra now targeted by the True Knot, Danny's own demons are reignited as he battles for survival of Abra's soul. Warner Brothers moved forward on the project earlier this year and tapped Gerald's game director Mike Flanagan to helm the film. And Variety now reports that Ewan McGregor signed on to play Danny Torrance. So I think the biggest news in this is the Ewan McGregor casting of Danny Torrance. Now, I kind of brought this up earlier about how 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 do you think these uh producers and directors are going to address this film do you think that there will be any connection to the iconic stanley kubrick film the shining or do you think they'll bow to uh steven the incredible stephen king you can't and kind of move away from the movie he hated so much you can't try i think to build off of that movie you just can't like Stanley Kubrick's vision was something of its own. I've never read The Shining, mm-hmm. but from what I've heard, it was completely his own version of that. And so we just can't. I think we got to put that to bed. Remember what Mr. Halloran said? It's just like pictures in a book, Danny. It isn't real. Okay, I think I'm coming from this. I'm a big comic book guy. I'm a big Marvel guy. I'm enjoying what Marvel Studios is doing in this like shared universe, the cinematic universe. I believe the same thing should happen with Stephen King properties, but they're scattered all over the place. And I just sort of feel it's like very it's very complicated. It's very complicated. If you're going to make a sequel to, you know, a movie, uh, such a movie that's like really well known, part of me is like, please try and make it at least somewhat aesthetically similar because um, I, I just, I dream of a day when like I would get like this HBO or Amazon anthology series that basically would be The Stand and The Shining and Salem's Lot and then have it all tie into like The Dark Towers, which is basically like every ev- – almost every important character in a Stephen King book is in The Dark Tower. And so this opportunity seems like a great opportunity to maybe do that, but I, I think you're right. I think – no one's going to – as a filmmaker, to even say that you're going to try and do what Stanley Kubrick did is just hubris on the highest degree. It's <laughs> So insane. I think that would be like, no, 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 no. Like I feel like I understand like all that it takes and all that the these uh, directors are doing. And then you watch something like Room 237, the documentary they made about all of the conspiracy theories surrounding the movie The Shining. And you're like, I can't even scratch the surface of what he – created yeah because regardless of what's true or not the fact that he delivered something that people are going to try to dissect forever is just bananas yeah, yeah. but I, f- I feel like the one that i put together this little thing and i wanted to make sure i included a synopsis of dr sleep because i was like i don't feel like we can fully understand what you and mcgregor is about to do mm-hmm. unless we get what this book is and it is it's long but 
it takes us through the full psychology of Stephen King, which is we start at a really good place. We start at, you know, Danny has inherited his father's demons. He's going through alcoholism and uh, just a lot of emotional issues. And he finally starts pulling his life together. He meets a girl who has the same gift that he started noticing when he was young. Mm -hmm. And then we hear about something called the true knot. And like, that's when you know you're like, oh, right, this is a Stephen, Stephen King novel. King, yeah. I mean, that's his bread and butter, though. He's been doing it for like 40 years now. He's crazy and we love him. Yeah. Okay, guys, we're going to get into signs. But first, we got to hit you with the rules. As always, you're probably tired of hearing this. But guess what? I don't care. This is a podcast best listened to with an open IMDb. We may talk about some people that you've never heard of and you're going to want to look them up. We will be talking about a movie that you may not have seen. So caution spoilers ahead but if you haven't seen it you might want to pause right now go watch take a look i think it's worth your time now to the rules rule number one no remakes reboots or long lost sequels we can't do a movie that has already been redone in the last 20 years this includes franchises like halloween that pop back up with sequels every few decades. Uh, we also amended this rule a little bit to make it easier on ourselves. If a remake has been rumored for more than two years with no forward movement, it's fair game. So if you know something like that, I don't know, talk to us on Twitter about it. We want to hear your thoughts. Rule number two, no imaginary casting. Our dream cast must be made up of actors that are alive and working today. Number three, no tender casting. We can't cast someone just based on how they look. We have to have seen their work and be able to vouch for their talent. No Mel Gibson lookalikes. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> okay, guys, let's get into this week's reboot of Signs. For the kids' protection, all they were doing was watching TV from 5 a.m. I felt like they were getting obsessed, like you said. They should be playing Furry Furry Rabbit or Tea Party or something. What's Furry Furry Rabbit? It's a game, isn't it? Anyways, they closed the schools, and there's been some interesting developments. They're gone, but they're not really gone. We just can't see them. Early this morning, a bird flew into the area where the lights were hovering last night. It stopped dead in the air and fell straight down. They caught it on tape. They've been playing it all morning. The footage looks like the bird flew into a wall in the sky. They found the bird. His head was crushed in. They think they have some kind of invisible shielding going, like an optical illusion. They're still there. So the five characters we're going to do this week, I mean, they're pretty simple. This movie has maybe six, seven characters. Yeah, they're like characters, but there are like six important people in this right. movie. So we're going to recast Reverend Graham Hess, played by Mel Gibson. Meryl Hess, played by Joaquin Phoenix. Morgan Hess, played by Rory Culkin. Bo Hess, played by Abigail Breslin in her her first role. Yeah, which she's is, adorable. Yeah, she is. And Officer Paskey, played by Cherry Jones. I, I rewatched this movie... And I'm just going to say up top, if you do not like the end of this movie, you can go screw Ugh. because this movie is so well made. The layers, the layers. I was, I remember watching this in the theater and just the whole theater, it felt like there was electricity in the theater. Mm -hmm. I watched it. And when I rewatched it, I felt the same thing again. I was just like, yeah, I couldn't believe it how well. This was structured and how well it was shot. And yeah, there are moments that you're you, you're kind of like, uh, OK, but I don't I don't really understand how a few small moments have soured an entire movie. I think, too, there is. And I'm not I'm not trying not to do that thing where I'm like, people are stupid. They don't get it. But I do think that this movie exists on a plane where if you are looking at it 
purely straight ahead, you're missing everything. And so a lot of people are only seeing what's right in front of them and it is ruining their opinion of the movie. So why don't you talk about the layers? Because maybe I'm missing some stuff too. Because okay. y- you proclaimed I did, a Shyamalan I, apologist. I am not. I think he has like maybe four good movies and the rest is like trash. I mean, I'm not apologizing for Lady in the Water. What about The Happening? I'm not apologizing for The Last Airbender. Oh, yeah. But the man who made Unbreakable. Flawless. Signs. Incredible. The Sixth Sense. Uh, transcendent transcendent i'll just fill your <laughs> fill your mouth with words he i will still show up to see whatever he does yeah i haven't seen split yet i hear it's that's good. good i saw the visit i loved it uh, yeah a really good sort of uh creepy different found form footage. for yeah. him yeah um i started watching lady in the water that's literally unwatchable it's yeah it's not kind of uh, <laughs> i've seen the happening i've watched it as a joke the happening should probably let's just yeah. not talk about the it. The village also doesn't hold up, but I remember loving the first half of the village and then just being like, "Wait, what?" And Sometimes, then when you rewatch it, it just it's so funny because the the twist at the end ruins the any rewatchability of that movie. Sometimes then I you think about how in the village there's this part where like Bryce Dallas Howard's character is um, blind. <laughs> And um, they set up this like thing that happens every time she reaches her hand out. Walking Phoenix like grabs her hand, like he's her safety net, her comfort blanket, her guide, all these things. And I, I might cry just thinking about it. There's a glorious moment where she realizes something is wrong, and she reaches her hand out because she knows there's chaos going around her, mm-hmm. and he isn't there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> However. There's also a moment where it's she has to go so get help. Touching. <laughs> and, and she's blind. Wanders out <laughs> to a modern highway and then walks into like a pharmacy or like a radio store or something. I don't know. Um, okay. But we're I not like here that. to talk about that. We're here to talk about this movie. We'll talk about these layers. Like talk about. I did write a little bit of a manifesto about how I felt about this movie. Uh, well, I, I don't know how much time we have for that, but just give me the highlights. I'll say this. What the biggest problem that I think people tend to have when I'm like, I love this movie is they're like, they're, they can't handle water. That was Owen Wilson telling me <laughs> this movie is bad. Wow. They can't handle water. I don't know That's where crazy. that came from. People will be like, how dumb is it that these aliens came to a planet where they can't handle water? It's like 70% water. water. <laughs> and I'm like, you are missing entirely the point because it is not about the fact that the aliens are allergic that water kills them that they're from the same planet that the wicked witch of the west is from um can i share with you something my girlfriend said wizard of oz deep cut for you <laughs> yes please can i share I s- always have time for something your girlfriend okay says. so we that she said that exact thing to me uh before i rewatched this and she was like, how could they survive on the on earth? Like there's water everywhere. There's like water in the atmosphere. Are they just like walking around in constant discomfort? And I just turned to her and I go, aren't we all walking around in constant discomfort? <laughs> she was just like, she started laughing, but she was just like, boy, well, man, whoa. What makes this any different? Um, um, so here's what the movie is really about. We find Graham Hess at a point in his life where mm-hmm. he he used to be a man of the cloth. Mm-hmm. He has completely disassociated himself from that life mm-hmm. because of a singular event. Mm-hmm. His wife was 
uh, out for a walk, got hit by a car, and she died. She died of a random act. And so he, I think we meet him in a place where he is like, there can't be more than anything on this earth. Like, there can't be a God because God let this happen. And it sort of threw him into this, like, chaotic environment. So he's viewing his whole life through the lens of one horrible event. Like, when they're... um when he he tells Meryl that there's nobody looking out for them because he's recalling that doctors told him that um, she would just start like spouting random memories. I never told you the last words that Colleen said before they let her die. She said, see, and her eyes glazed a bit. And then she said, swing away. You know why she said that? Because the nerve endings in her brain were firing as she died. And some random memory of us at one of your baseball games just popped into her head. There is no one watching out for us, Meryl. We are all on our own. So he's like, I know for a fact that like nobody is looking out for us. He's not a miracle man. But nothing that happens in this movie is a coincidence. Like the whole movie is a journey for him to rediscover his faith, not just in God, but in everything. Mm-hmm. And so when we find out sort of at the same time that he does that not only is nothing that their family has faced a coincidence, but also that his wife told him all of this stuff was going to be important is insane. Like telling Meryl to swing away because she knew that he would move back in with them because he didn't live with them. He moved back in after she died telling uh, like none of the water, none of like Bo's aversion to the tap water is a mistake. Like it's all meant to be there. Morgan's asthma is not a coincidence. All of this stuff happens for a reason. And it's the thing that kept them alive and helped them heal. And it's really beautiful. It um talking about him earlier, it's very Stephen King-esque. Like at Stephen King's best, he does the same thing. Like he yeah. lays it all out that yeah. everything happened for a reason. Yeah. Like it all kind of hits at the same moment, which is very Stephen King-esque. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I agree with exactly. Like, I, I hate when people are just like, it's so scary. And then, but like the alien shows up and he looks stupid. It's like, I don't care if the alien looks stupid. Like the movie, you're like, you're saying like the movie's not about the aliens. The movie's about the arrival of something that you didn't expect. Yeah. And, and how humans deal with the unexpected and the unexplainable. And the first like hour and 15 minutes of the movie is just you digging into their world. You are getting into their mind frame. You are sitting in this house with them because they barely leave. You're sitting in the house with them as they try to discern what is happening to the world. And uh, what also I love about this movie is that that exploration of like of them trying to grasp what's going on felt so natural. Every step Mm -hmm. is just like, no, it can't be. It can't be. And then they watch a little bit of news, a little bit more news. And then he sees it and he's like, oh, my God, it's actually here. It's a mile from our house. The dogs are dying. And then it becomes more and more intense all the way until they are just like, okay, they take the vote and then they stay in the house. And then there's like this tonal shift where they're just like, how are we going to survive the night? I just I just still think it's like one of his best and and we crap all over this guy for a lot of bad mm-hmm. choices he's made. This movie should not be one of them. And if no. you're one of those people who still are just like bitter about some bad visual effects, I don't care. Yeah. You need to shut up and you do appreciate this movie. Because the whole is so honestly so much greater. I'm not even gonna say that. I think the whole works entirely. It's shot beautifully. Like, say what you will about the man, but his frames are gorgeous. 
The soundtrack, beautifully done by James Newton Howard. Even, I mean, Mel, guys, Mel Gibson is a good actor, and that sucks because he's a bad person. <laughs> well, speaking of Mel Gibson, we've talked about this movie, which feels like the entirety of that movie. Sorry. So why don't we... I just have a lot of feelings. <laughs> why don't we get to the recast? Um, and I feel like you should go first. Um, so let's start with Reverend Graham Hess. This definitely was a movie for me where I pulled out some kind of favorites that mm-hmm. I have been saving up for good. a while. And yeah. I have a feeling you're going to hear this first name and be like, yeah, of course you did this. Okay. I, you know what? I'm going to be upset if you take one of mine. That's that's the only thing. But I'm sure okay. whatever I pick, they're great actors. So. I have a feeling we went in two different directions. I, I think so too. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think honestly, like Graham's character is uh, very straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, we, he, Shyamalan like deftly clues us into uh, his motivations and his concerns and the grief that he's dealing with. So he kind of has to be someone who deals in this world of, you know, grieving husband, struggling father. Why do you talk to mom when you're by yourself? Makes me feel better. Does she ever answer back? No. She never answers me either. He's a complicated guy, and so I picked an actor who I think can totally handle it in all its many points. Jason Clark. Oh, man. Good if for you, Kenna. If you you're finally a, did if it. If you're a fan of this podcast, <laughs> I have said so many times, should we ever reach any level of success, my goal is to fix Jason Clark's career because I think he's so good. And you finally recast him in something good for you. Yes, I love Jason Clark. Jason Clark was in the second of the newest Planet of the Apes movies. He was uh-huh. in Mudbound. He's in Chappaquiddick. Terminator Genesis. Terminator Genesis. Yeah, his career, I don't know. Winchester, Jason. Who are your agents? He uh, He's really, really good. Yeah, I, he's I, amazing. Yeah, I, I like that pick. I don't have anything bad to say. I would I would enjoy watching him be... A man in crisis. It's, it, but what's funny about Graham is he's not just in crisis. He's just like numb. Yeah. And the crisis is like underneath. And that moment in – oh, there's two moments. The moment where he runs into the, the doctor, unfortunately, played by Mr. M. Knight. Well, that might be the one thing because M. Knight has a tendency to, to elevate himself amongst the, the directing gods prematurely a bit. So his little Hitchco- Hitch, Hitch, Hitchcockian right. um, cameo as the doctor is a little like – uh, I, I know this is a small role, but we we could do better than this, right? <laughs> um, so, but that moment and the moment in the basement when he's like taking care of Morgan's asthma and they don't Ooh. have his medicine, oh and my he's gosh. just like screaming at God that he hates him. <sighs> I I can see, I definitely can see Jason Clark doing that, and I think you need an actor who can draw you into them as someone who like you really need to feel for this person. Minute one, don't do this to me again. Not again. I hate you. I hate you. I was a little disappointed that because one of my favorite Shyamalan things is that he took 80s action stars and put them in really thoughtful genre movies and mm-hmm. it worked. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I wonder if there's um uh, Mark Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> okay. I'm speaking specifically about Unbreakable the Sixth Sense and Signs. Okay. Um but it's it's fascinating because honestly, like if you had looked at the careers of these guys before, you would be like, no way could they give like a subtle mm-hmm. performance like this. And they could. And so part of me wanted to pick somebody that I was like, who's like a 90s action star who might deliver some. But yeah, no, no, no. Well, I kind of picked a 
2018 action star, but he he he's someone who is more of a character actor that became an action star just based because of the climate of movies today. It's like if you can if you're a tremendous actor, we're going to put a cape on you, we're going to give you a lightsaber, we're going to give uh, you a wand. We're going to send you off to Hogwarts. Um <laughs> I ended up picking this guy, I mean, you saw me pick this person literally minutes before <laughs> we hit record. Wow. <clears throat> and uh, two reasons. One, because of what I just mentioned that I, 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 one, I love this actor and I would watch him sit on a porch and stare into the distance. But I think he's someone that you could em- emotionally attach yourself to immediately. But I also read this small piece of trivia that he was supposed to be in this movie until he got really sick. Mm. And they recast to, they recast Joaquin Phoenix as in the role. Oh, okay. I picked Mark Ruffalo. Interesting. Interesting. Stop. I'm getting an interesting <laughs> for Mark Ruffalo. I think it's more the fact that I'm thinking about how he would have been Meryl. Yeah, he, in this version. So he um, he's a little older than Mel Gibson was when they made this, but I don't care. Um, but yeah, he was supposed to be Merrill and then they found that he had a brain tumor. And oh, so right. he, there was like a year or two where like Mark Ruffalo was supposed to, you know, had this life threatening mm-hmm. brain tumor. So he had to th- bow out. And so he didn't get his big break until like years later or yeah. something like, or second break until years later. Um, so I, th- I just, I love, I love, love, love Mark Ruffalo. And I, Every time he's on screen, I, I'm just kind of with him. And I know that he could play this role tremendously. Like the the man with the crisis underneath, you know, trying to just like keep his family calm during this massive global event. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's who I picked. And if I'm getting an interesting for it, that's fine. <laughs> I I believe in my pick. I like Mark Ruffalo. I think I honestly, I'm of two minds about him because he honestly seems like he's the one most phoning it in 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 these Marvel movies. But I mean, nobody knew what they were signing up for. They should have, but they didn't know. First of all, the Marvel movies are wonderful. Okay. (laughs) We should have our own split off podcast where we just debate the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um. But then I have to be like, remember Zodiac? <laughs> Zodiac, the, the kids times. are all right. Um, 13 going spotlight, on 30. Spotlight, 13 going on 30. I mean, tremendous body yeah. of work. No, I, I like him. I think I just, I, I finally saw uh, Avengers, whatever this one's called, <laughs> recently. And I felt sort of bad for Mark Ruffalo at some point because I was like, man, sort of seems like he doesn't want to be doing this anymore, but he's. Who cares? Who cares? I care. I get to see Thor and Hulk. I get to watch Bruce Banner get into the Hulkbuster armor and fight Thanos. Brian says he cares. He doesn't care. I care. (laughs) I want want Mark to be the Hulk forever. Wow. All right. Let's move on to Meryl. We recast Joaquin Phoenix uh, previously. Mm -hmm. I think in our, our third episode or something. Yeah. He is tremendous in this movie. And He's good. I... There's two things I want to talk about. No, I'll, I'll save the one for later because okay. um, it's not really about him. But the the idea of him becoming a believer is one of the most entertaining things to watch. Mm-hmm. When they reach across the car and are holding the baby monitor mm-hmm. and Mel Gibson is trying to shake him into like, let's just get back in the house. And he's immediately like, you, you lose the signal. You heard the voices, right, Meryl? Probably picking up another baby monitor. 
That's right. See, this is why we're not watching TV. People get obsessed. I'm letting go now. Don't do it! He'll lose the signal. And then he starts wearing like the aluminum. He's yeah. with the kids with the aluminum hats, and then he's just like, he's like, I put I put the TV in the closet because it's they're just watching the news twenty four seven. And then he's just like living in the Move closet. Move children, vamos! <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so good. He's like the epitome of you know us as like mm-hmm. media consumers when we get like obsessed with something and we watch it unfold. Like I'm gonna okay, so I'm gonna speak about a real life tragedy, but the the Boston bomber chase. I remember staying up. All night mm-hmm. watching live feeds and like listening like police scanners. And I had friends that were on like uh, Gchat or, you know, they're texting and it's just like, oh, my God, what, like what's going on with it? And I remember I distinctly remember sleeping for two hours that night, waking up, going into work and then just like watching the rest of it. I just remember like watching Joaquin Phoenix, a testament to the writing, the directing and his acting. He makes you feel how we all are when this shit happens like when we just become obsessed with the narrative of reality when reality gets so big and i just i i thought it was so so good also too his like transformation is really phenomenal because we meet him what we're told about him is that he's washed up yeah and you know maybe we're gonna get into (laughs) sports (laughs) How is he washed up? He has no major injuries. Yeah, he leads, what, the league in strikeouts? Who cares? He mashed a 500-yard home run out of the park. This guy has natural, natural talent. Why are, who cares about the strikeouts? Put him at the back of the, uh, put him in the back of the lineup. Who cares? Who cares? I don't know. It just drove me nuts. Like, if he had, like, a knee injury, I'd be like, oh, that sucks. That sucks. But instead, it's just like... But what? the idea is he, you can teach hitting. Okay. The idea is he peaked in high school, uh-huh. and then when he tried to sort of go out into the world, it didn't work. And now he's home, and he's sort of now, in a way, like co-parenting his brother's kids because he mm-hmm. experienced this terrible tragedy. Like we sort of look at him like he's that guy. He's that guy from your high school that you were like, eh, he's not going anywhere. And then we sort of see him become the emotional strength when like at the end they come up out of the yeah. the basement and Meryl's like, I don't ever want you to hear you talk like that again. Like what I, I saw wanna, in yeah. your eyes. I never want to see that never again. Never want to see that again. There's things I can take and a couple things I can't. One of them I can't take is when my older brother, who's everything I want to be, starts losing faith in things. I saw your eyes last night. I don't want to ever see your eyes like that again. He's not just like the freeloader who's trying to make something work. Like he is a general, genuine uh, emotional core of the family. The Meryl swing away moment at the end is incredible. That whole sequence. I was like near tears. Utter perfection where he just get becomes like this hero Mm -hmm. like you know he might not become like a sports hero or like have great fame but like in this moment he's he's like a god you know a a lot of times in culture we like attribute like athletes as like you know greek heroes because they can do phenomenal feats and here's this moment where he's like saving his family Mm -hmm. as he was like destined to do it's so fulfilling Mm -hmm. to like see someone achieve like a Again, very Stephen King. Like they have a destiny and they fulfill it, but it's not the destiny that they thought they were going. Yeah. And it's much, much, you know, 
it's more valuable to them. Mm-hmm. I picked an actor who has been getting, you know, he's embroiled with some controversy. Oh, boy. Not controversy. Not again. Not this kind of controversy. <laughs> just more of like because of, you know, he took on a very um, iconic role recently. And I think he did really well. But I just like this, this idea of like I'm rooting for this guy because I think he's very good. Um, I picked Alden Ehrenreich. Mm-hmm. And I just I I kind of was thinking of his celebrity a little bit more than his um, ability, which I think is there. Um, he's a little drier than Joaquin Phoenix, who um, mm-hmm. Joaquin has this great animated style to him. And the moment in the car where he's talking about like codes <laughs> and like why nerds do yeah. this. It was so phenomenal. But he why can't they get girlfriends? <laughs> Morgan. This crop stuff is about a bunch of nerds who never had a girlfriend in their lives. They're like 30 and they work up little codes together and they analyze Greek mythology and make up secret societies where other guys who never had girlfriends before can join in. Nerds were doing it 25 years ago. New nerds are doing it again. Why can't they get girlfriends? I have a belief in this guy's ability and I think he's going to be around for a while. Mm Mm-hmm. And to hear a lot of people kind of like criticize him for taking on like Harrison, one of Harrison Ford's most iconic roles. Which um, I think he did really well. Right? Like it, it. it's the idea that like people are already tearing him down from this like impossible measuring stick that I was kind of like, that's kind of Meryl in a gist. Like mm-hmm. people were like, hey, I saw you do this thing. Like you're great. What the hell are you doing here? Like this sort of doubt that we put on people – I just thought it was kind of interesting. And and I guess maybe this is the wrong way to go about this, but I, I took part of his real life and put it in this character. And I was just kind of like, I think that would be interesting to see. No, I, I think that's a great choice. I love Alden. I think he's incredibly watchable. Like I remember seeing Hail Caesar and being like, this whole movie makes no sense. But he, like the only thing I took out of that movie was how charming he was. Um, I picked, and I haven't talked about this guy as much, Uh, But he is a favorite of mine that I'm hoping really makes a huge splash sometime in the near future. Um, His name is Jack Rayner. Yep. Um, He made his big break. Damn it. You took you took one of my guys. (laughs) One of your favorites. Took one of my guys. He made his big break in Transformers Age of Extinction, which I had to look up because who remembers the subtitles to Transformers movies? I remember all four. I'm not screaming at you. (laughs) Um, But I remember all five. That's not an accomplishment, Brian. <laughs> um, Jack Rayner in Sing Street is so good. Do you remember two episodes ago when I told you that you have to get on Netflix and watch Love Sick? Mm-hmm. Scratch that. You have to get on Netflix and watch Sing Street. It is, I will say, it is the best movie that came out in 2016. And unfortunately, nobody talks about it. I talk about it all the time. It is one of my apps. It's become... In two years, one of my all-time favorite movies. It's so, yeah. And Jack Rayner plays this older brother character who is just phenomenal. Like, every, I think when you look at the I can't even speak. When you look at the kids in that movie, each one of them, you're like, there's something special there. And especially him, you're like, he should get, he should get more of a chance because he's really got something going for him. I have... I'm so mad that you're taken from mine. I've been holding pile. I've been holding him for a Me while. Me too. And I just oh And I had to let him be free in this uh, okay. Um yep. I don't have anything bad to say. All I can do is say to the audience, if you have not seen Sing Street, gosh, see it. 
It's amazing. I watch it randomly one night and I stayed up till like two in the morning to finish it because I was like, I need to finish this movie. I, uh, I remember I was like, and packing, he specifically was great. I was packing for a trip when I was like, you know what? Somebody told me to watch this movie. I'm going to do it. I stopped what I was doing. I sat and watched the whole thing. And then during the credits, when the music was playing, I was like, I, I couldn't believe how much I wanted to like sing along. Yeah. The it's, music is incredible. And it's, it's one of these so movies good. where you're just like, how, uh, who can I talk to about this movie? Yes. You can talk to me about this movie. Okay. I'll call you the next time I'm just, I'm like laying in my bed. <laughs> Nobody pays attention to John Carney. <laughs> okay. Let's move on to Morgan Hess. Um, I'm going to say this for the kids I picked. I'm very excited that I didn't pick any of the Stranger Things or It Children. Oh, you are. <laughs> Screw you, Brian. <laughs> um, I, 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 Rory Culkin. Uh, is a was very good in this movie, and he continues to be a very good actor. If you've seen Waco, I'm trying to think of like what made Morgan like special, and it the only thing I could think of is like he blames his father for his mother's death. I think mm-hmm. he, well, I think he says it. Um, he says like you let mom die, but he's he's sort of like this kid who is upset with the way that the world has become basically like mm-hmm. he does he, it's he's having a difficult time accepting the reality that like his mother was taken from him and now he all he has is his dad who he is like a lot of trouble with what's the matter with everyone eat maybe we should say a prayer no why not we aren't saying a prayer eat i hate you let mom die morgan i am not wasting one more minute of my <laughs> life on prayer not one more minute it's sort of that like preteen troubled kind of kid. And so I picked an actress who plays a very similar role and I believe plays it very well on FX's Better Things. Mm-hmm. I picked Hannah Alligood. Mm-hmm. Alligood? A-L-L-I-G-O-O-D. She plays kind of like the middle child who is struggling in this like house of women who are all developing at like different times in their lives. And she's also unfortunately in that kind of annoying Apple commercial where she's like, what's a computer or like, what's a laptop? You know, That's you ever seen thing? that one? Like a neighbor's like, what are you doing on your laptop? She's like, know. what's a laptop? She's like touching on an iPad. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was um, just about to complain that I don't have cable, but no, I've seen that commercial. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just think she plays a really, you know, Morgan isn't pretentious. I think he, I think he's just um, has a lot of anger that a lot mm-hmm. of teenagers kind of get right around. So Rory Culkin is like 13. I think Morgan's supposed to be maybe like 11. But like right around the time that they start moving into teenagers, like there's a lot of just like anger that kind of sits there. And um, I think this girl is really, really good and mm-hmm. could could do that. I don't know that actress. I, I don't believe many people will, but watch her in Better Things. The show is very, very good. And she's but very I believe good. you have made a wise choice. Thank you. Um, no, yeah. I mean, something that I am sort of amazed by is that how how we re- – we are blessed by the Culkins. Mm-hmm. All of them at a very young age have an instinct that is just really remarkable. Yeah and incredible um because there's even like his timing there's it's it's just amazing that he could do this like one of my favorite parts is when he's reading the book about aliens Mm -hmm. that he's got 
and Mel Gibson comes in and tries to like read it with them, but he's making fun of it. And at one point he's like, if you're going to make fun of it, we won't like he shuts the book and he's like, yeah. well, we're not going to continue if you make fun of it. And he I'm says like, something like so there's a tone. Who wrote this book? Scientists who've been persecuted for their beliefs. That means they're unemployed. We can make fun of it and forget it. This is serious. There are pictures. Dr. Bimbo, one of the authors of the book. Bimbo. Dad. I just asked his name. You had a tone. It's so, it's really, and it goes beyond like cute. It's really good acting. So I will have you know that I picked a Stranger Things kid okay. and an It kid for my children. Oh. So there you are. Okay. Um, and I, honestly, I went for the obvious, but I think it's because when I sort of characterize how I, I think he just, he literally has a quality that's difficult to describe. It was like, who is an actress? Of our time mm-hmm. around this age who possesses a similar quality that you could literally give anything. And I think she would know what to do with mm-hmm. it. And that's Millie Bobby Brown. Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah. She's she's really good. I mean, she's going to be around forever. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, Stay in school, Millie. I know. Don't do drugs. Um, Have yeah. a conversation with Drew Barrymore. Okay, that's it. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not going to besmirch... Um, young miss brown because i i also agree that i think she's uh incredible and i think you know she has surprised a lot of people and she only has like 50 years of a career in front of her so um should we move on to Bo? Mm-hmm. played by abigail breslin um i didn't realize i mean i kind of remember that Bo is kind of like this spooky little ghost girl but also can kind of be like a fun little kid at times like she's when adorable she, when she comes out of the closet she's like people are dancing like this <laughs> I'm like, that's such a great little kid thing to do. Um, but I, I wanted to pick someone who wasn't going to be like, I love the little things about Bo, like the water, how she's like very specific about the water. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I, I have a heightened sense that you don't like, it's just how she is. And like her dad doesn't get mad at her about it. It's just like, he's just trying to accommodate her. Mm-hmm. But you think that maybe she's like a little ridiculous. Um, it has amoebas in it. I picked Brooklyn Prince from the Florida Project. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think she's incredible. And um, she seems to have more of a, like a, I mean, she was basically like discovered, right? Wasn't she just like picked randomly? Or yeah, something? she was like a, just like a normal kid. Um, I just think that she has kind of this um, personality. Like, I don't really like Bo being kind of like this spooky little ghost girl that's like, there's a thing in my room and can I have some water? Like, it's yeah, a no. little weird. <laughs> But. No, she's definitely not like Carol Ann. Um, but she, it is that thing of like it, as a unit, everybody's personality in this family is so odd, but it works mm-hmm. because like Bo's a little weird and Morgan's going to protect her because he gets her. Yeah. You don't think something bad will happen, do you, Morgan? Why? You have one of your feelings again? I don't want you to die. Who said I was going to die? Who said I was going to die? Because he's a little odd in a different way. Yeah. And then I think even more so than Graham, like Meryl somehow connects that these are two special kids who need uh, a figure in their lives. And so, yeah, she's. it's not just like, sure, you want to pick a cute kid, but you also got to have... Like legitimately, that kills me when Meryl's like going off about like the nerds and how they 
they're all upset. And then like a full two minutes after the conversation's over, she's like, why can't they get girlfriends? Um, okay, so I picked Jackson Robert Scott, who played Georgie Dimbro mm-hmm. in It, mm-hmm. and who is actually the cutest child living today. <laughs> um, I still haven't seen it, so I can't speak to his acting ability. Wow. But um, but yeah, he's really great. And I can just, I can honestly see him like throwing away one-liners mm-hmm. in that cute kid sort of way mm-hmm. that endears us to him. Um, uh, yeah, I think those are great kids. Um, not we're not going to talk, not to not talk badly about right. child actors. Yeah, I know. And I, I don't mean to besmirch like the stranger kids or stranger things kids or the it kids. I just, I, I was like, there's gotta be more children out there. You think they're overplayed? <laughs> you know what? Maybe they are. All right. Let's, uh, move on to officer Paskey and, and try and get through this. Cause it is a thousand degrees here and it's already 11 PM. Okay, Officer Paskey, played by Cherry Jones. Um, what I loved about this character is how just sort of like the every town sheriff, like the kind of, you know, she's here for, in a small town. She has small town things like the crime of like there's this woman just like spitting on things. <laughs> That's why she was late to the farm was so great. But the moment of Graham's wife's death, like mm-hmm. when she has to explain to Graham what's happening, like I can't you can't just give this character to like a throwaway actress like this this person is someone who has to have a lot of compassion and have to like you have to have like two kind of the way i thought it was like you kind of have to have two heavy hitters to kind of sell this kind of moment mm-hmm. where because this is the moment where he's going to lose his faith her body is pinned in such a way that it's alive when it shouldn't be alive and we didn't pull the truck out because we, we want you to come down here and be with her as long as she's awake and it won't be very long. Caroline, this is the last time I'm going to talk with my wife. Yes, it is. I picked someone also pretty much in, like immediately before this podcast. Um, but I think she's great. My only concern with her is, uh, no, I think she's, I think she's a really strong actress. I think the character that she's currently playing plays up a sort of a, a slight like, divaness in her but um i'll just say who it is i picked tandy newton okay um okay because like in, in westworld her character has you know she's kind of this very theatrical madam that turns into this you know what's the word i'm desperately searching for so we can move on like um strong powerful a woman in search of her daughter um and i just sort of thought of her as like someone who you would turn to in times of crisis, like someone mm-hmm. that could play an authority figure, but also in that very critical moment could be very soft and compassionate. And so that that's why I went with her. Love Tandy Newton. Westworld is wasted on anybody but her. <laughs> She's phenomenal. Also, Solo. Not sure what happened there. Oh, yeah, she is in she Solo. She did not get her due in that She's movie. She's gone in like 10 minutes. Yeah, it's weird. Mm. Um, I didn't realize that she was... Uh, I picked two Solo people this week. All right. Maybe yeah. I really like Solo. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I had a similar sort of thought. Like, you need to pick someone who can be both, you know, the person who's present when his wife is 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 passing and also the person who is going to stick around. And she brings a lot of like humor and normalcy, mm-hmm. I think to the farm that doesn't exist when it's just them. Your family has been through a lot. And the last thing these children need to do is worry about some crazy things happening in the world. 
I'll take them into town and get their minds and your mind on everyday things. Good medicine. So I picked Jada Pinkett Smith. Ah, that's really good. And I'm honestly not, I think I was watching one of her Red Table conversations when I was like, I should use her for something. Um, Because I I think she's proven herself to be a really versatile actress. We just don't see a lot of her. Jada Pinkett Smith from The Matrix Reloaded. (laughs) Girls Trip, recently. Yeah. Smash hit Girls Trip. That's a great Um, pick. Yeah. Okay, guys, that was our cast for Signs. And now it's time for Where Does Barry Pepper Go? Mr. Barry Pepper. Not a lot of characters for him to play. So I'm assuming we picked the same character. Okay. Um, unless you made him the alien. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I put him as Ray Reddy, the, the M. Night Shyamalan yep. guy who killed yep. his wife. I mean, that speech is incredible. M. Night does a... F- Fine job with it, um, but come on, you give that to B. Peps. Oh, tears in the aisles, people. Because I'll say that I think Shyamalan does a, gr- a r- great job at sort of showing this sort of like despondent, the other side of things. Yeah. Because truly, it was an accident. Most of the ride home, there wasn't a car in sight in either direction. If I'd have fallen asleep then, I would have ended up in a ditch with a headache. It had to be at that right moment, that 10, 15 seconds when I passed her walking. It was like it was meant to be. And when he's sort of having that explanation of like, you know, I've worked long shifts before, like this has never happened. And, it, you know, it would just happen at this point. You feel that you're like, OK, I'm into this. It, it wasn't like I'm going to. Ins- well, it was a little bit like I'm going to insert myself in my movie, but he makes it work. Yeah. Is What else? We don't have much time to. Uh chat about this movie i think we did a pretty deep dive into it um there's one thing we haven't talked about that we need to talk about i'll bring it up michael showalter is in this movie and his cut off leather vest is iconic why weren't you in the pros making stacks of cash and getting your toes licked by beautiful women because he has another record most people don't know about he has the minor league strikeout record didn't matter what the coaches said didn't matter who was on base who just Whipped that back through the air as hard as he could. Looked like a lumberjack chopping down a tree. The flinch that he gives <laughs> at, uh-huh. when like Meryl like jukes at him is everything to me. <laughs> he is so fucking good in this 30 yeah. second part. Yeah. Yeah. That's like my favorite part of the movie. Just because Michael Showalter is. He's great. He's, he's yeah. I also really love how when they're in the bookstore on the commercial. Wait, he's talking about how like there's. So there's soda ads. It's about selling sodas. And the ad that plays is a Shasta Cola ad. Nothing makes me happier than seeing Shasta Cola. I just like when um, Morgan gets the book on aliens and you just hear from the distance, 13! <laughs> just the guy just crying out. Um, I also love, and this is 100% pure cheese, but it always puts a smile on my face. When they think that it's Lionel Pritchard and uh, the whatever boys. Oh, yeah. And so they're like, they're messing with this again. And they go, uh, Graham and Merrill like go outside and they come up with this plan to run around the house so that they sort of corner them in the back. And they're having this conversation about like, what do I do? And he's like, I don't know, curse, say stuff. And then when Mel Gibson runs out, he's like, ah, I'm insane with anger. It's time for an ass whooping. And then when he gets around, 
Um, he's like, I cursed. And Meryl's like, I heard it. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many good parts in this movie. And unfortunately, we can't talk about all of them. But if you've ever watched this movie and you've, you know, if you're one of these people who are just like, oh, God, it's so good until the end. Just rewatch it. Rewatch it again. Because mm-hmm. I think this whole thing started by some idiot somewhere. And then it spread like wildfire. And then we've all sort of grouped thank this movie yeah. out of you know its place in cinematic history and I think it should be brought back so thanks for joining us thanks for listening guys um, Kenna where can the people find us you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast you can find us together as this podcast on social media at the boot podcast on Twitter and at boot podcast on Instagram you can find us separately in case that's your thing at Kenna Trent and at Flynn B guys thanks for listening please subscribe please rate please tell your friends join us next week when ken and i will reboot another movie as we always do and check out our social media to find out what that movie will be and watch it ahead of time so you can join us on our discussion guys thank you so much we'll see you next time bye Everybody in this house needs to calm down, eat some fruit or something.